Canto 2, Chapter 9 Answering by citing the Lord's Version Sri Shuka said The material self of the illusory energy, without, O King, the transcendental self of pure consciousness, cannot carry any meaning, just like a dream has no meaning without its dreamer. Wishing to enjoy in different ways the many forms offered by the external energy of Maya, there is because of the operation of her qualities or modes the notion of I and mine. The very moment he, the witness, the soul, in his glory of transcending the time of the material energy, enjoys it to be free from illusion, he, in that fullness, will forsake these two. When the Supreme Lord showed his form to the Creator, who was voracious in his faithfulness to the vows, he pointed out that the goal of all purification is to develop love for the knowledge of self-realization. And so he, the first godly person in the universe, the supreme spiritual teacher, began from his own divine position on the lotus of creation to reflect on the source of that lotus. But considering therewith how he would start his creation, he could not figure out what the directions and the ways were of how it all materially should be put together. When he once was immersed in thinking this way, he heard two syllables being spoken that were the 16th and the 21st of the Sparsha alphabet. Joined together as tapas, penance, these syllables became known as the value of the renounced order, O King. When he heard that being spoken, he looked in all directions to detect the speaker, but there was none to be found. From the position where he sat, he then thought it best to do penance as was instructed. Endowed with a spotless vision, he controlled his life-breath, mind and senses of perception and action for a thousand godly years, and thus, proceeding in the past, enlightened all the worlds by being, of all who do penance, the one of the severest practice. The Supreme Lord, being pleased about his penance, then manifested his abode for him. That realm is praised by all self-realized souls, free from illusion and fear, because it is free from the five miseries of a material life, ignorance, selfhood, attachment, hatred and death-fear. A higher place one cannot attain. There the Lord is worshipped by both the enlightened and the unenlightened devotees, and there the mode of goodness prevails over the other two of passion and ignorance, without ever being mixed with them. Nor is there the influence of time or the external energy, not to speak of the influence of all the other matters, like attachment, greed, etc. As blue as the sky, and glowing with lotus-like eyes, very attractive and youthful with yellow garments, all inhabitants there are endowed with the four arms of Vishnu and the luster and effulgence of pearls and fine ornaments. Some radiate like coral or diamonds, with heads with earrings and garlands blooming like a celestial lotus. That place, which radiates with rows of brilliant high-rising excellent buildings, specially designed for the great devotees, 
and is populated by celestial flashing beauties with heavenly complexions, is as attractive as a sky decorated with clouds and lightning. The goddess Shuri performs there, enraptured together with her personal singing associates, with a diverse paraphernalia devotional service at the lotus feet of the Lord surrounded by black bees who busily hum along in the attraction of the everlasting spring season. There he, Brahma, saw the Lord of the entire community of devotees, the Lord of the Goddess, of the universe and the sacrifice, the Almighty One who is being served in transcendental love by foremost associates like Sunanda, Nanda, Prabhala and Arhana. The servants, affectionately facing him, are intoxicated by the very pleasing sight of his smile, his reddish eyes, his face with his helmet and earrings, his four hands, his yellow dress, his marked chest and the goddess of fortune at his side. Seated on his highly valuable throne, he, as the Supreme Lord, fully enjoys his abode, where he is surrounded by the opulence of his four energies, his sixteen energies, his five-fold energies, his six energies, and the other personal powers he sometimes demonstrates. The creator of the universe, who was overwhelmed by the sight of that audience, with his heart full of ecstasy and his body full of divine love, bowed down with tears in his eyes before the lotus feet of the Lord that constitute the path followed by the great liberated souls. Seeing him present before him, the Lord deemed the worthy great scholar suitable for creating, in line with his own control, the lives of all living beings. Mildly smiling, he very pleased shook hands with his partner in divine love and addressed the beloved one with enlightening words. The Supreme Lord said, As opposed to the penance of the ones who are falsely unified, I am most pleased with the prolonged penance, the penance by which the Vedic knowledge has accumulated in you, who desired to create. Ask me, the giver of all benediction, whatever favor you wish, O Brahma for the ultimate success of everyone's penances is to see me finally. You obtained this enviable perception of my abode because you submissively listened when you in seclusion were of the highest penance. It was me who told you to do penance when you were perplexed in your duty. That penance is my very heart and soul. That is what I am for the one who is engaged in it, O sinless one. I create by that penance, I maintain the cosmos by that penance, and withdraw it again by that penance. My power is found in severe penance. Brahma said, O Supreme Lord of all living beings, you are the director seated in the heart who by your superior intelligence, not to stop by anyone, knows about all endeavors. Nevertheless, I ask you, O Lord, to please fulfill my desire to know how you, despite being formless, can exist in the beyond on the one hand, while you descend in your form as we may know it on the other hand. And how do you, from yourself and by means of yourself, by uniting your own material energy, manage to exact your different potencies in the matter of evolving, maintaining and annihilating? O Madhava, master of all energies, please make me understand how you, just like a spider weaving its web, 
with determination, infallibly play your game of investing your energies in all of that. I pray that, in learning from you as my teacher of example, by your mercy acting as your instrument, I, despite creating the lives of the living beings, that way, never may be caught in material attachments. O Lord, like a friend behaves with a friend, you, with your handshake, have accepted me for creating the different lives of the living entities. O unborn one, I hope that I, because of all who in serving you through me undisturbed saw the light of the world, will never be caught in pride and arrogance. The Supreme Lord said, The knowledge acquired about me is very confidential and is realized in combination with the devotional service and the necessary paraphernalia the way I tell you. May there be, from my mercy with you, this factual realization of my eternal form in a transcendental sense and of my form and activities with the basic qualities of nature. It was I who existed before the creation when there was nothing else, when there was nothing of the cause and effect of the Supreme. And it is also me who, of all that was created, remains in the end. That is what I am. That what appears to be valuable is not so if it does not relate to me. No, that illusory energy of mine to be a mere reflection of darkness. Just like the elements of the universe are there in a very minute size as also in a gigantically big format, it is also with me most small being present in them and gigantically existing apart from them. The student of the real self must investigate the true nature of things both directly by association and indirectly by comparison, irrespective of what it is, when it is, or of its circumstance. When you keep your mind fixed on this conclusion about the Supreme, you will never under any circumstance be bewildered, not during your life, nor when you have reached your end. Sri Shuka said, After this, fully having explained everything, the unborn one disappeared, he, Lord Hari, the way he by the leader of the living entities Brahma was seen in his transcendental form of the Supreme Self. After he had disappeared from view, Brahmaji, who had folded his hands before the Lord, who is the object of all the senses of the devotees, resumed the work of creating his universe populated with all the living beings exactly as he did before. The father of all living beings and religious life desired, to the interest of his virtue, to dedicate himself with vow and respect to the matter of the welfare of the living beings. Narada, the dearest of his heirs, was always very obedient to him in his willingness to be of service with his good behavior, meekness and sense control. O King, the great sage and first-class devotee, pleased his father Lord Brahma very much with his desire to know more about Vishnu, the Lord of all energies. The same way you are questioning me now, Naranamuni questioned him when he saw that it was to the satisfaction of the great-grandfather of the entire universe. This story of the fortunate one, the Bhagavata Purana, that with its ten characteristics, 
was explained by the Supreme Lord, was thereupon explained by the Creator of the Universe to his son Narada. On the bank of the Sarasvati, Narada, in his turn, instructed this supreme spirituality to the great sage, the meditative Vyasadeva, who is of an unlimited potency, O King. All the things you ask me concerning the universal form of the original person and other matters, I shall now explain to you in great detail. 